Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Now this week comes another indictment regarding the former president's conduct in the days leading up to the close of our administration. I've said many times I had hoped the judgment about those days would be left to the American people and to history. But such is not the case. But in these times, I want to say I think it's important that we hew to first principles and that we tell the truth to the American people. The first principles are these. No one is above the law. And the president and all those implicated are entitled to the presumption of innocence that every American enjoys. But secondly, despite what the former president and his allies have said for now more than two and a half years, and continue to insist to this very hour, the Georgia election was not stolen, and I had no right to overturn the election on January 6th. And that position has not helped him in the polls really at all. However, I do believe he's accurate in the second part. I mean, he's accurate in the first part, innocent until proven guilty, without question. In the second part, I don't think the vice president, that's uh, former Vice President Mike Pence speaking, has had any ability to send back the electors. Challenges could be made if there was a member of the House and a member of the Senate just like people like Representative Jamie Raskin, Democrat from Maryland, tried to do when Trump was elected in 2016. He just couldn't get any senators to get on board with him. Then he had the audacity to be an impeachment manager and then claim, how dare you say the election was stolen? The, the argument here is how they're going about this. If you want to decide that you don't like what Trump said, you don't like what Trump did, that's for we the people to do at the ballot box. The series of indictments are nothing more than a series of remarkable stretches to get to a crime, to get to the guy. You've heard me talk about Beria, who led Stalin's secret police. Show me the man and I'll show you the crime. That is exactly what Alvin Bragg did in New York. Stretching beyond rationality the idea that a payment to Stormy Daniels was a felony. That's exactly what the special counsel Jack Smith did in trying to claim Trump is guilty of not even insurrection, but a riot at an event he wasn't at. I'm going by what the indictment says. You want to say that the president is guilty of having classified documents in his home? So is Joe Biden. So is Mike Pence. And so is Sandy Berger uh, in the socks. The socks, it's, it's the same thing. Your house, your socks, it's the same stuff. There's a lot of guilt to go around. The difference is Trump was president and is the taking of the documents, de facto the declassification of the documents. I think that's for the Supreme Court to decide. And in Georgia... You're not just going after Trump for something he did. You decided that there was some kind of cabal 
19 people who are all going to stand trial at the same time. So if you can get something on someone, you can send everybody to jail? You have more in Georgia than you do on January 6th. You have more in Georgia than you do in the Alvin Bragg indictment in New York. But if you wanted to go after Trump, you would go directly. 19 people, then this conversation of unindicted co-conspirators. You cast a net with hope you can get someone for something. And if we are to believe that no one is above the law, then we have to demand that the law is applied properly. And this should be Mike Pence's conversation. This should be the argument that we, the people who have been insured via Article 4, Section 4 of the United States Constitution, a Republican form of government, we should demand that not only is no one above the law, but no one is a victim of it. This should be Mike Pence's conversation. This should be all of our conversations. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be here. It's good to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Anybody okay with just saying get, uh, get Trump at all costs? And for those of you saying, my gosh, nobody is saying that, this is Claire McCaskill, former Senator Democrat from Missouri on MSNBC. Uh, the good news is we finally have Rudy Giuliani indicted. Woohoo! That makes me very happy. <laughs> that is not somebody who believes about in the application of law. She believes in getting the people she hates. Claire McCaskill is disgusting. Men don't marry women like Claire McCaskill. Parents don't raise daughters to be like Claire McCaskill. That is not someone to emulate. That is someone to be disgusted by. Now, we're going to dig in uh, much, much deeper to this subject. Brett Tolman is scheduled to join us a little bit later, uh, former federal prosecutor. Brett Tolman, he's the executive director of Right on Crime. And we're going to dig even more into the legal questions here. But you already have, because of this indictment, you already have people who have been indicted, people who are part of this, saying uh, they're looking for removal. It's a very interesting conversation. Mark Meadows is where we start with this, and it's a great example. First, uh, just a little bit from Fonnie Williams, who is the district attorney, what she said when she presented this indictment. I don't have any desire to be first or last. I want to try him and be respectful for our sovereign states. Um, We do want to move this case along, and so we will be asking for a proposed order that occurs a trial date within the next six months. No, I can't tell you anything about um, what you refer to. What I can tell you is that we had a grand jury here in Fulton County. They deliberated till almost 8 o'clock, if not right after 8 o'clock. An indictment was returned. It was true billed, and you now have an indictment. Um, I am not an expert on clerk's duties um, or even administrative duties. I wouldn't know how to work that system, and so I'm not going to speculate. Do I intend to try the 19 defendants in this indictment together? Yes. I make decisions in this office based on the facts and the law. 
Um, the law is completely nonpartisan. That's how decisions are made in every case. To date, this office has indicted, since I've been sitting as a district attorney, over 12,000 cases. This is the 11th RICO indictment. We followed the same process. We look at the facts, we look at the law, and we bring charges. You could have brought them years ago. You brought them now to influence an election. That's the way Trump supporters see it. That's the way many others see it. You could have brought this at any time. You chose now. So let us not talk about the equal application under the law. That simply won't fly. As the expression goes, that dog won't hunt. Mark Meadows was the chief of staff to Donald Trump, former congressman from North Carolina. And Mark Meadows has now filed to remove Georgia state prosecution, uh, to, to remove it to the federal court. Mark Meadows is making a very, very interesting distinction here. And it's worth noting because the entirety of this case, the RICO case, that's, that's racketeering. This is something that was used against organized crime. And the person who made this famous was Rudy Giuliani. When he was a, a, a prosecutor, a uh, U.S. attorney, uh, that he's now been charged in a RICO case is crazy irony. You want all 19 so you can get something on someone no matter how small, and therefore it connects them all together because you've decided that these 19 people worked in some level of organization that you decided they worked in some level of conspiracy. Mark Meadows wants this moved to a federal court because Mark Meadows is saying that you, the state, and the reason that this matters is that state, the state of Georgia, their RICO laws are more lenient than, let's say, federal laws. And that this is being cha- charged on, on a state level is almost, as, as William Jacobson of Legal Insurrection pointed out yesterday, like a backstop. Hey, uh, 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 Jack Smith, uh, special counsel, if yours doesn't work out regarding January 6th, and, and if, uh, if uh, it doesn't work out with the uh, classified documents, don't worry, we got you covered here. We'll, we'll get them. Equal application of the law, innocent until proven guilty. That's not the way anybody's acting. Mark Meadows has petitioned to remove his case from the Fulton County Superior Court. His argument is that federal law shields him from state prosecution for actions undertaken as a federal officer. What does that mean? He was chief of staff of the president of the United States. And as he puts in the filing, Mr. Meadows has the right to remove this matter. The conduct giving rise to the charges in the indictment all occurred during his tenure and as part of his service as chief of staff. In these circumstances, federal law provides for prompt removal of a criminal prosecution that was commenced in a state court against or directed to a federal official, quote, in an official or individual capacity for or relating to any act under color of his office. You have a moment where you're, where Meadows is saying, you can charge me from now until the end of time. I was a federal official doing my job. Trump wanted to meet with this one. Trump wanted to set up a phone call with that one. That was my job. I set that up. 
One would expect the chief of staff to do for the president of the United States to do all these sorts of things. And they have far less to do with the interests of state law than, for example, murder charges that have been successfully removed, and they mention some cases. You're arguing that Mark Meadows is some level of co-conspirator, and Mark Meadows was the chief of staff. Mark Meadows has nothing to do with the state of Georgia. How do you charge him with trying to change some election result in the state of Georgia when, as the chief of staff to the president, he was asked to set up a phone call? Now, as pointed out by William Jacobson, you could have the, uh, Fannie Williams, who is the Fulton County prosecutor there, Fulton County, Georgia. She can argue that when uh, Meadows took these actions, she, he wasn't acting as a chief of staff, but rather to assist the campaign effort. Meadows, in his filing, anticipates the arguments. And he goes through bit by bit that his actions were indeed as chief of staff and not as some kind of rogue entity. This is a great example of the overreach that has taken place here from Fannie Williams because that's exactly what it is. I point uh, point out that even National Review And I like some of the guys from National Review. I've had great conversations with them. They argue that while there are some things here in this Georgia case, um, you don't have it. You just don't have it. It is overreach. The Georgia indictment is serious, but it also overreaches. Funny. It's exactly what we said, that the Georgia indictment is different than, let's say, what took place with um, uh, Jack Smith, the special counsel regarding January 6th, because in that situation, you have to try and stretch the law to meet Trump. In the case in Georgia, you have texts, you have uh, emails, you have phone conversations, etc. You have actual things. It's it's like with the classified documents. Never mind where we are on, on believing or be- disbelieving, you know, or not believing that Trump did anything wrong. Leave that to the side just for a moment. We have you have actual things. The documents in boxes in a closet, right? Actual things. In Georgia, you have actual things that makes it more serious de facto. I think we can agree to that. The question of whether those things lead to something criminal, that is different. If the argument is that one cannot, cannot question the results of an election, then by definition, Stacey Abrams should be in jail. Because Stacey Abrams not only questioned the gubernatorial elections in Georgia in 2018, she said repeatedly again and again and again and again that the election was stolen, that the results were fraudulent. She refused 
to concede. So if that is indeed the argument regarding Trump, it one could hold it's the same exact argument. But yet Trump gets charged, Stacey Abrams does not. What, Stacey Abrams' commentary doesn't do serious damage to the state of Georgia? Of course it does. Will Meadows be able to separate himself out from this? I actually, based on the reading, not being a lawyer, think that the law is on his side and that the argument is sound. But I bring it to you as a way of showing exactly how ugly this all is, how much desperation there is. Not that you disagree with Trump because you might and you might not like him, you're not going to vote for God, and all of that. You are still entitled to your opinion. We're talking about the law. And what we're seeing here in Georgia is not the equal application of the law. We're seeing the abuse of it. That should be our topic. I'm Tony Katz. Electric vehicles continue to lower their price. We've seen Ford do it with the Lightning. That's the uh, the pickup. They lowered it by $10,000. From some of the people I have spoken to, uh, dealers, uh, they feel very good right now about new cars. It's used cars that are the problem. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Tesla has continued to make price cuts in China. Reducing prices on the S and X by a give or take $8,000, $7,400 on the Model S and $8,500 on the Model X. Uh, it's obvious that there's a market for electric cars. I don't mind uh, uh, electric cars. Full disclosure, I own stock in Rivian. I will always tell you what's what. Rivian is interesting because there was a whole story out that on the, uh, not the truck, the the SUV version, which I admit looks beautiful, like it burns through tires, not literally setting them on fire, but like 40,000 miles, the tires are done. Was it 40,000 miles or 20,000? Done. And it's like, this is just weird. It's just burning right through them. That's a problem. Uh, But while people don't mind electric vehicles, They're not sold on the idea that they have to have one. And they're certainly not sold on the cost. There are other things where other places where they want to spend their money. And in a choice between going green and keeping green in their pocket, they'll keep the green in their pocket. Thank you very much. Yet we have an administration that only talks about how great everything is with the green. And my gosh, look what we've done with the Inflation Reduction Act. At least now they admit that it was never about inflation. It was always a Green New Deal product. You cannot force people into a marketplace. This is what the left has been trying to do for decades. Force you into the green marketplace. Remember, it was Obama who said that his plans would make uh, oil and gas necessarily skyrocket. Electricity necessarily skyrocket, or, or I should say price of oil and gas skyrocket. So you move to electric this, that, and the other. So you move to other forms of energy. I can't wait until solar works. Man, it's going to be awesome. Wind powering a nation would be spectacular. They don't. And we live in the now. Meanwhile, there was a story sent to us about something going on with an Indiana high school. 
It's uh, the high school right down the road from me. I'm going to show you how we break down this story. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. Very often, we receive emails, texts, tweets about things going on, stories. Oh, you should check this out, Tony. Oh, you got to hear this, Tony. Tony, you got to be talking about this. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Would love it if you became a supporter, but I hope you enjoy what it is we're doing over there, TonyKatz.com. And deciding whether or not there's something there. Well, that's kind of like the job, right? You can't just run run off on a story with only having half the story. You got to have it, right? Credibility is on the line. And it's it's not just, you know, me saying, oh, I got it wrong. It's whether or not you, who takes the time to listen, whether it be this show or, or, or any show, have faith in what it is that's being said in the conversations that we're having. Thus, I, I get a, a text message from Sarah Smith, who runs everything digital for for what I for what I do for Tony Katz for Eat Drink Smoke, all all the other things, and she shares with me a a a tweet from a group called Gays Against Groomers, a school in Indiana, my CCS, has been using speed dating between teachers and students as a way to learn about one another in a way that is, quote, intimate and anonymous. Sarah Smith joins me uh, right now, uh, a radio host in her own right with Fingers Malloy on the snark factor. Um, We get these things, Sarah, all the time. And I wanted to to break down what it is that happens when we get information, when we just, how we decide to bring it to air. But also, my CCS is Carmel Clay Schools. This is the school, you know, from where I'm broadcasting, that is right down the road. This is my family school. Uh, This is where where my kids go. And so when you got the the, the tweet, is it something that you just came across or was it something that was sent to you? It was sent to me uh, in reference to you. So a, a Hoosier friend of mine sent me the tweet when she saw it. And said, hey, Tony's school is in the news again. And so I dug a little bit into it and sent it to you at, at the same time, right? Because I wanted you to see it ASAP. I mean, it couldn't have been, it was 11 o'clock today. It was, you know, within an hour of airtime. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to give you a minute with it. Uh, but, yeah, she sent it to me, and I immediately start digging. I went, Even the Gays Against Groomers tweet was a reference to a tweet from an account called uh, Courage Habit, who had originally released this information. Um, so these people from what it, oh, yeah, these people over at Courage Habit, Courage is a habit, mm-hmm. at Courage Habit, here's a photo mm-hmm. of the actual speed dating event hosted by mm-hmm. none other than the trans cult supporting organization GSA Network. Here's what it reads. Carmel Clay High School brings in speed dating, hosted by GSA, which stands for Gender Sexuality Alliance, cultural speed dating for students and CHS staff, and it got promoted on the Carmel Middle School PTO page. I'm on this page, and yes, 
Um, it is something that is discussed under their "Who We Are," "Who Are We" uh, series, and uh, they they talk about how they brought this up with members of the Gender Sexuality Alliance, and they want to share their thoughts on what teachers should know, as well as uh, their stories about how they have been treated. Th- these are students. And this GSA, we started looking it up, Sarah, the, the GSA network, gsanetwork.org. This is, it, it's one thing to say it's it's a group of gay students. It's it's not uh, just no. uh, that. It's, it's a much. It's a, it's a nationwide network of youth activists. And their focus, um, they, they, uh, here it is. GSAs have evolved beyond their traditional role to serve as safe, safe spaces for LGBTQ plus youth in middle schools and high schools and have emerged. This is what their website says and have emerged as vehicles for deep social change related to racial, gender and educational justice. So at that moment, you realize we're not talking about uh, just a group of students who have a, a shared connection. We're talking about a political organization at that stage, right? Absolutely correct. I mean, this is and that's what's mostly and seems is the most insidious thing about this. It is presented as a getting to know you uh, activity. In fact, I went down a whole rabbit hole of speed dating in schools, which is apparently a thing. Um, How you use speed dating tactics to uh, get your students to open up about themselves and learn about each other. But where the problem ties in, which. Seems like such a that's great. Like you're learning interpersonal communication. Your uh, your your students are getting to know each other. On the surface, it seems like a thing, but when you look at it and you see that it's sponsored by this GSA, their mission is not getting to know you. Their mission is to influence you and groom you to be a certain way, or to believe a certain thing, or to follow a certain ideology. Talking to Sarah Smith, she runs all things digital. In the world uh, of Tony Katz, radio host uh, there uh, with the podcast The Snark Factor and the radio show uh, heard in Michigan. Um, there's also a, a, uh, a link that goes to something called the ESL Educator, ES, the ESLeducator.com. And it says why speed dating is one of my favorite activities for cooperative learning. Now, when we heard speed dating, we were like, what the bloody heck is this? Because speed dating is... Well, hey, who can I meet and hook up with? And that's the first thing you hear of. That isn't clearly what they mean by speed dating. What they mean is this is a way to first teachers to learn about students, students to learn about teachers. And while we are all at a heightened state regarding education and regarding what's happening with students, we, we would be fools if if we didn't think that teachers should know something about uh, the kids uh, that they're that they're teaching and uh, and, you know, maybe better ways to connect with them, uh, reach them, get them to do better in school, et cetera. We would consider that to be normal. But the term speed dating was like the first thing that set off the alarm bells of what the heck is this? Right. And the in in the research that I did in the digging that I did this, the GSA group specifically in Carmel Clay schools or in Carmel High School, because as you mentioned earlier, the page that was featured on the Carmel Middle School PTO, that page, that text is actually available on all of the Carmel Clay schools. So 
if you go to the main page and you search GSA, it comes up under all of the middle schools, all of the high schools. It is a page that's available because they want all of the Carmel Clay schools to be involved in this speed dating, making air quotes with my fingers, getting to know you activity sponsored by the Gender and Sexuality Alliance, now, which the, is a nationwide GS- network of political activists. So this GSA uh, network, this isn't the first time I've actually discussed it uh, on one of my shows. Carmel High School, this goes back to July of 2022, uh, a little over a year ago, received $10,000 to produce community-wide pride events. And as Parents Defending Education pointed out in some of your research, the club created a fundraiser. For, transge- for a transgender student to leave their mother's house without her knowing, there's actually a GoFundMe help trans student get out of bad home situation. Hello, we are the CHS Carmel High School Gender Sexuality Alliance, and we are fundraising on behalf of a Carmel High School student who needs to raise money to get out of an abusive household. He cannot fundraise for himself because if his mom caught him trying to raise his money himself, his situation would get exponentially worse. Now, these are kids, but I assume you have to be over 18, so I got to assume some adult somewhere is involved in this. But here is an organization that put this together with this, this headline. We don't have any idea if that's true, correct? We don't know if uh, a, this, this student was in a bad home situation or not, yet they use this GSA money, this $10,000, to do this. Correct. We have, we have no idea. For all we know, the bad situation is that, I mean, they refer to him as a he in the GoFundMe. For all we know, the bad situation is that this is a biological female that wants to turn into a man and it's, his parents won't let him. For all we know, that's what the bad situation is, which would, we, we have to assume that that's what the bad situation is because it's a help trans student get out of a bad home situation. Uh, so the assumption here is that these awful parents just won't let this, this child live as their true authentic self, which is something that they learned in their, you know, getting to know you speed datings at school they got to explore their their gender if if that's indeed what they were were learning that we should just be clear on some timing here this gofundme was set up in october of 2021 um the uh funding uh that carmel high school got was in 2022 this fundraising actually took place before they got the ten thousand dollars but the fundraising team it says as clear as day organizer carmel high school gsa that's what it what it states now this uh this was also part of something called the it gets better project which uh um says we work in all forms of media to bring messages of hope to LGBTQ plus youth, spark conversations about the challenges they confront and inform and positively influence their sexual orientation and gender identity journey. So they're not shy about saying this is exactly what we do. And as the a post from Courage Habit points out, and it shows a, it shows a, 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 a bit of a promo, if you will, Uh, Maybe that's something they created. Um, uh, This is happening through this idea of speed dating in Carmel High School. Now, what we don't know is 
to what extent this is done, to what extent GSA is, is in, involved. We know that these groups are in high schools and right here in Indiana and, and, and across the country. But we don't know yet. We only have the tweet. We don't know yet whether or not that this speed dating leads itself to pushing kids into this GSA group or pushing kids to some kind of identity crisis. We don't have that info, do we? No, we do not have that info. We don't have any uh, proof or evidence as to what is being included. It's presented as a very benign in fact some of the example questions are do you play an instrument what are your hobbies you know like which again all seems perfectly innocent and actually seems like a positive thing that you want it's just that it was it is organized and sponsored by this gsa so why like why what what is their role and their influence on this and and why is it speed dating these are kids it can't be conversations it can't be like it can't be something that isn't about dating and sexuality. It's a very weird thing to call it. And it, it's absolutely uh, provocative as, as a title. That much is 100% true. Um, uh, the, 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 the question is, these things seem to happen. And, and you know, when we got this story, I, I wanted you guys to understand... Uh, Sarah sent this to me at 11. Immediately, immediately it was, okay, what do we know? Where else does this connect? What can, we co- what can we figure out here? What can we, how can we string this together to be able to say, this is a story, you guys, uh, let, me, let me bring it to you, and I have the ability to bring it to you in full, and then you can make your own uh, decision on it. Remember, it's, it's never about telling you what to think. It's giving you something to think about, and here's something that's happening. What we, what we clearly see that, that, that's happening is that this that even though we don't know yet the the totality of what's going on in Carmel Clay schools we know that the speed dating thing is a thing we know that it's a thing and we can see that the the uh gender sexuality alliance is brought up by uh PTOs literally on the Carmel Clay schools website and so they, they, you know, it's it's a it's an endorsement of them. So we know these two things are are for are for real. We know these two things are going on, and that's the part that we can clearly identify, clearly state. And if it's happening here, you know, that people always say if it's happening in my school, it's happening in your school. It's happening everywhere. Now the question for us, Sarah, is what is is the next step? Is it reaching out to Carmel Clay Schools and saying, hey? Is uh, the Gender Sexuality Alliance, first of all, do you condone uh, the, the, the mission of the group, which certainly uh, isn't about safe spaces, but deep social change related to racial, gender, and educational justice, which could be very much misaligned with what the school is trying to get done. Um, so that is a, a question for them, whether they, they know that. And, and secondly, do they know that this speed dating thing is happening in their schools? Can they confirm that it's not happening in their schools? I mean, those are the questions that we need uh, to, to be asking. Was there anything else you found in the research over the last hour plus uh, that says, yeah, this is uh, even a little more insidious than we know? 
just the fact that I when I put in speed dating in schools, just as a random into my uh, search engine, the number of YouTube videos that popped up with tutorials of how to utilize speed dating in your classroom uh, by all different, I mean, dozens of different sources and different teaching blogs and parenting blogs, that this is, this is a thing. This speed dating in the classroom is a millions of views on YouTube built up. Uh, it's uh, poised or phrased as a getting to know you activity. But the question is, is it just that alone? Sarah Smith, uh, I appreciate you. Mama Swati, S-W-A-T-I-M-A-M-A, Mama Swati. On Twitter, if you want to follow her, Sarah, I'll talk to you soon. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. I don't know how I missed this. California power companies want or are proposing, they did back in April, income-based rates. So if you make more money, you pay more for your electric? Man, they they are not afraid of the Marxism. From each according to their measure to each according to their need. You make more money, you pay more uh, for electricity. So if you're poor, you can use three times the electricity and it's, you know, will cost you the same, which means it's not about using electricity at all because I thought you wanted us to use less. I thought you wanted us to be better with our power usage, but no, 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 no. You just want the money. Okay. Okay. As long as we know that the whole green thing is nothing more than a wealth redistribution scam. Find it all at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz today.